the fear of God. And we've lost the meaning somewhat. Now that, that you know, you could be, fear could mean that you're scared to death. You know, you're fixing to go skydiving with a pastor and you, you were scared. I would be scared with you, taking you, but uh, I'd overcome it. But nonetheless, there's another meaning to fear, and that is reverence, respect, and awe. I had an opportunity to teach, talk with a school teacher this week that, that told me that she had been called everything that she had ever heard and some things that she had not heard by fifth graders. I grew up in a time where that just didn't happen that way. I mean, the only four-letter word you might have said to them was hate or love. Amen? You know why? Because we had an awesome respect. It used to be, I mean, I don't know, it is taught in some homes, but not all. And, uh, but we've kind of lost our awe. Uh, I mean, I couldn't even call my uncles. You know, I had an Uncle Bobby. That's my dad's brother. And, and I got around kids sometime, and they'd be looking, talking to their uncle and say, Hey, Bobby, man, I'd have hit in the dirt <laughs> because you said Uncle Bobby. Now, I mean, I'm saying that's the way I was raised. I know it might not happen to you, but, uh, and uh, I just couldn't, I couldn't even, you know, I tried that business one time about calling my dad, my old man. It didn't work too well. <laughs> huh? He ain't your old man. So, uh, anyway. But, but we kind of lost a respect, and that bled over from not only the creature, now it's bled over to the creator, and we just don't respect him no more. You, you just look at Facebook, man. It's nothing for people to take his name in vain. And then I, what's even worse is people that call themselves Christians taking his name in vain. And then, I mean, to have no regard or no respect. Now, I'm not talking about that you have to walk in such rigidity and that you're that you're just so stiff, you know, oh, God of Abraham, Isaac. No, I'm not saying that. Um, God wants us to be able to come unto him just as we are, but he wants us to come in a way of respect. How would you walk into a courthouse? Well, even that's changed. I used to be a bailiff in Superior Court for five years, and man, I'll tell you something, man, when the judge walked through the door, I was the one that said, all rise, Superior Court of Evans County is now in session, the Honorable James E. Finley presiding. Um, but nowadays, people go up and, but he wouldn't allow you in, in no t-shirt in his court. No, sir, buddy. You come back and had a button-up shirt. If you couldn't find one, you borrowed one or something, but you wasn't coming in there in no t-shirt. And if you thought you was coming with holes all in your pants and all that, no, sir. Didn't work that way. You know why? He demanded a certain decorum and a certain respect in his courthouse. And that's how it was. And some people back-talked him and spent the weekend in jail. That's just how it is. So, but, but we don't have the fear of God that we used to have. Now let me, let me, I got a lot to unpack, so, uh, so just bear with me. But I want to start with this, this premise that God will never come where he is not welcomed and reverenced other than in a judgmental faction. Uh, he might show up and, and clean house, so to speak, but he will never come to sit among us and to be among us and to work among us where he's not reverenced, where he's not respected and revered. Leviticus 10 and 3, Moses said to Aaron, this is what the Lord spoke, saying, by those who come near me, I must be regarded as holy. And before all the people of the earth, I must be glorified. Psalm 5 and 7, but as for me, I will come into your house 
in the multitude of your mercy. This is David saying, I will go to your house, O God, in the multitude of your mercy, in fear of you, in fear of you, in awe of you, in respect of you. I will worship toward your holy temple. I want to say something, and, and this is borderline crazy for me to say it, but I'm going to say it anyway because I ain't got a whole lot. They say my last name is Sainz, and I've been called insane. But let me say this. The Muslims, many of them, have more respect for Allah than a lot of Christians have for Jehovah God. You offend their God, and they'll blow you up. You take their prayer mat, and son, they'll shut your business down. They have more allegiance and affection, revere and reverence to one that is not God than to you and I who serve the only true and living God. So, Psalm 34, 9, O oh, fear the Lord, you his saints. There is no want to those who fear him. Leviticus 19 and 30, you shall reverence my sanctuary. I am the Lord. So let me say this. We cannot change who God is. The only thing we can do is put ourselves in a position for him to come around us. So that means I have to revere him. I have to respect him. I have to honor him. And I want to tell you something. Humanity has done everything in its power to refute the God that they cannot comprehend. Now, I want to tell you something. People, they say, only use about 10% of their brains at best, and some of us ain't even doing that. Are y'all with me? Right? But, but since we can't understand God completely, we tend to reject it. Much like that's why a lot of y'all didn't take calculus. Man, I can't understand that. Some of you say, I ain't taking no political science. I can't understand that craziness. Uh, I, I ain't taking this science or whatever. Listen, I want to mention at least two reasons or two attempts that have been made to basically refute the God that they cannot understand. But first of all, I want you to know that we cannot limit God to what our finite minds can comprehend. You, you see, we don't understand the vastness of God, the depth of God, the breadth of God, the height of God. We don't understand any of that. Paul said it like this, and I, I want to start with this to simply say, we see through a glass darkly. It's almost like we're wearing a welder's helmet, and, and, and every now and then we get flashes of light and flashes of understanding, but we just don't know the fine details of God. Matter of fact, we don't know nothing other than what he self-discloses to us. Amen? So... So I will just say this before I dive off into this, is I've got enough evidence, Brother Sean. I've got enough evidence to know whose hand I hold. Amen? I've got enough evidence. Let me tell you all something. I'm going to make some old timers happy right now. The old timers had it right. When they sang, we'll understand it better by and by. Huh? They understood it. You know what they understood? They understood that they did not know how to cross every T and dot every I, but they knew whose hand they held. They didn't know about tomorrow, but they knew who held tomorrow. And they said, by and by, when the morning comes, I am going to understand it one day, by and by. What they were literally saying was, without faith, it is impossible to please this Jehovah God. And I've got faith in the hand that I hold. Amen? I've got faith that he's going to see me through. That, who that, that he that started a good work in me is going to complete that. It's going to bring it to fruition. And let me say this before I get too wound up. There's enough evidence right here that I'm going to show you today that he is God. And he sits alone in that position. And beside him there is no other. Hello? 
I'll, I'll never forget, I was reading a scripture in the Bible one day over in the Judges. And you remember, uh, they, 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 um, they, they had a statue of Dagon, I believe it was, that was there and that in the presence of the Lord, guess what, the next morning, Dagon was laying on his face. Amen? No one can stand in the presence of the Lord. So they, uh, let me say this. The two attempts is, first of all, they attempted to change the glory of the Lord. Had a great revelation. Years ago, I was going to preach at George Avenue Church of God, and uh, the Lord said to me, Son, you know what? I'm the only one that can add anything to this world. Did you know the world, if we can weigh it, and, and they do know, I used to know how much it weighed, I can't tell you, but uh, there is a, a, a number. But, but the only way the earth can gain any weight is if God decides to let a tree grow. Or a baby. Are y'all with me? You say, no, no, we can build this building. Didn't the earth gain some weight? No, we got all this out of the ground. All the steel, all the mud, all the water, all the concrete, all that stuff, it came right out of the ground. But when God says, let there be, amen, he's the only one that says, yep, there's another oak tree. Now, that thing's pretty heavy. Amen. Uh, yeah, there's another baby, et cetera, et cetera. But, but what happened is the world, humanity, has attempted to bring God down to our level since we can't quite get to his. So rather than try to do the complex thing of understanding what we can and taking the rest by faith, we decided to just sort of reject it and say, unless we can bring God to down, you know, down to finite terms where we can comprehend him. And let me just say this, on our best day, we ain't going to comprehend God. Now, there's some smart folks in this house, way yonder beyond me. But on your best day, you ain't going to comprehend God. Not in this life. Now, when we sit down by the river on the other side, huh? And we get to dangle our feet there and grab some of the fruit from the tree of life. And we sit down and the Lord begins to explain some things and time don't even matter no more. And it's done away with. And God has wiped all the tears from our eyes. Then we can say, God, I wanted you to tell me about some of those uh, 80 quadrillion stars that you named. Anyway, so they attempted, Psalm 89 and 6 says, For who in the heavens can be compared to the Lord? Who among the sons of the mighty can be likened to the Lord? God is greatly to be feared in the assembly of his saints and held in reverence by all those around him. See, God is famous to all and yet unknown by scores of men and women. John said in 1st, uh, verse 10 of chapter 1, he was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world knew, his not, not, knew him not. He came to his own people, and his own people did not know him. Jesus said this himself while walking on this earth. Well, hath Isaiah the prophet said. Well, when did Isaiah the prophet say that? Over 750 years earlier. Well, hath Isaiah the prophet said. What? Verse 13 of chapter 29 Isaiah Inasmuch as these people draw near me with their mouths and they honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. And their fear toward me is taught by the commandment of man. In other words, he said, people that say I love God, oh, I just love God. He said, they, they say it with their lips and lie to me with their tongue, but their heart is estranged from me. And then we got uh, people... Um, if they can't bring God down to where we are, they say, well, we'll, well, we will worship him in another form or another way. And you can't do that. He said, I'm a very jealous God. You shall have no other gods before me. 
But let me remind you what happened. The children of Israel are being led through the wilderness. And Moses decides to go meet God on Mount Sinai to pray. And while he's up there, he took two tablets of stone. And the Bible says that God's finger wrote the Ten Commandments while Moses held them. Could you imagine that? Incredible. So Moses was up there for, for 40 days. And he comes, you know, and while Aaron is down here, Moses' brother, he's talking to the people, and the people said, we don't know what's going on with Moses. We don't know what's happening to Moses. We need a God to worship. As if you can just conjure a God or make up a God. But let me just say this to you. If it's not God Jehovah, it might as well be a piece of wood or a piece of rock. Both of them dead. Don't matter. Hello? Um, you do whatever you want. He said, we shall have no other gods before him. But, but the Bible says Moses come down from that mountain, and when he come down the mountain, he heard some clamoring and some clanging and all this stuff. What had happened? Okay, you want a God, uh, break off all your necklaces and your anklets and all that. So some, some of y'all thought they didn't have no jewelry back then. They did. He took off all the gold. He brought it, and he made a molten calf, a gold calf. He made that, and then they worshiped it. And as Moses is coming down the hill, he hears all this clanging and this dancing. He's probably thinking, man, they are having themselves a church meeting, I mean to tell you. And as he got closer, he saw this golden image that had been erected. The people were saying, this be the God that brought us out of Egypt. You see, uh, worshiping this idol, Moses so beside himself, he come down there, and he says, what is this that you have done? And Aaron said to him, well, you know how the people, their heart is set on mischief. He says, Moses, I'm telling you, I told them to get their, their earrings and their gold and their anklets and all that stuff, and I got all that gold, threw it in the furnace, and this walked out. <laughs> Do you see how stupid you become if you start listening to the devil like that? For me to believe the calf walked out, and now he don't breathe no more. He's got eyes, but he can't see. He's got ears, but he can't hear. He has feet, but he can't walk. And I submit to you that any God that you have, anything that you worship, let me say, it might have eyes, but it can't see you. It, it might have hands, but it can't feel where you are. It might have ears, but it can't hear you when you cry and bleed those hot tears on your pillows at night. It, it, you see, that's all it is, an idol. Idol. There is no God but Jehovah. There is no God but Jehovah. And, and there is no explanation for it. By the way, we as Christians have an empty tomb. All the other ones got some bones in it. Huh? We got a Bible that explains creation. We got a Bible that has irrefutable evidence. We've got historians in the Near East, and we got historians in, you know, in the Jewish world and those realms of bona fide, validated miracles that took place. That even outside of the world of Christendom, they acknowledge these miracles, and this man lived and died. Are y'all with me? it's amazing. But Moses, so beside himself, you know what he did? You don't want Pastor Moses. He was so upset with those people. He said, I'm going to tell you, y'all want something to worship so bad. You think this golden calf is so good? Grind it to powder. So they ground it to powder, and he made some Kool-Aid and made them drink the gold from the golden calf. That's it. He's teaching them a lesson. There is no God but God himself. So, 
Notice that they didn't deny the fact that God had done some things. They just reduced him to this image and said, this is the God. No, 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 no. God owns that gold, but that calf didn't do nothing. So let me, let me move on. So people ser- try to serve with images. Romans 1 and 24, since the creation of the world, the invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that were made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were they thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into um, an image made like corruptible men and uh, birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. Therefore, God gave them up to their uncleanness and the lust of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. So, that's powerful. Let me say this. We have such a limited view of God We cannot comprehend them. Let me say this. People will do and rationalize whatever they want to do. It's amazing for me. For some folks, you know, it's black and white for you, and it's right and wrong for you, but it's kind of gray for them. Uh, In other words, gray, we got a life group called gray areas. It's black and white if you do it. You was either right or you was wrong. It's right or wrong if you do it, but for them, if they do it, it's kind of gray, man. Well, me and God's got this thing worked out. But um, people feel like I just throw away my marriage because my happiness is more important than obedience to God. So, and when these things happen on a personal level and they go unchecked, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. For the most part, let me say this, and you're going to like it and some of you not, but for the most part, Christians think of God with this mentality. We've got this big sugar daddy in the sky, and when we want something, he just gives us whatever we want. We want to increase in our allowance, and God just give me an increase, and I need a pink Cadillac, and, you know. So, but I want to tell you this. There's no fear of God because of our concept and our perception of him. We don't truly grasp who he is. Here's the God of the universe in Psalm 33 and 8. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand uh, in awe of him. For he spoke, and it was done. He commanded, and it stood fast. The Lord brings the counsel of the nations to nothing. He makes plans of of people of no effect. The counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of his heart are to all generations. Blessed is the nation whose God God is the Lord, the people who have chosen uh, as his own inheritance. The Lord looks from heaven. He sees all the sons of man from that place of his dwelling. He said he looks on the inhabitants of the earth and fashions their uh, hearts individually. He considers their works. No king is saved by the multitude of his army, and a mighty man is not delivered by great strength. The horse is vain for safety. Watch this. He says, uh, neither shall it deliver by its great strength. Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, on those who hope in his mercy. So the eye of the Lord is upon those who hope in his mercy. I don't know if you know anything about St. Augustine of Hippo. He was one of the uh, great, great writers a thousand years ago uh, or more, um, St. Augustine. He wrote the book, The City of God. 
and he wrote so many things about God and, and the city of God and all of this, and on his deathbed, dying, moments before he slipped away, he said, I have seen the Lord, and all I have ever written is but straw. And he slipped away home. Our knowledge of God is so limited that the only way we'll ever get to know him better is if we will chase after him and pursue him harder than we've ever pursued him in our life. Psalm 145 and 10 says, All of your works shall praise you, O Lord. Your saints shall bless you. They shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and talk of your power. Now, we're going to get into some complex stuff right here. I was at a wedding yesterday right there at uh, the Yacht Club there in Jacksonville. And you can look across and see the great city of Jacksonville and all of that water. And I remember talking to Brother Glenn. He said, yeah, I can't drink all that water. And a uh, lot of water. And I got to think, that don't even, you know, I was skydiving yesterday over Amelia Island. You can see the Atlantic. It's crazy how big it is. And then you've got the Pacific. And then you've got the Arctic. And then you've got the Indian. And uh, it goes on and on and on, the seas of this world and how much water. But here's what Isaiah said about God. He said, who measured the waters in the hollow of his hand, measured heaven with a span, and calculated the dust of the earth in a measure, who weighed the mountains in scales and the hills in a balance. Isn't that crazy? So the psalmist said, when I consider the heavens, the work of your fingers, and the moon and the stars which you've ordained, who is man that you're even mindful of us, or the son of man that you would come and visit us? You and I don't understand the vastness of God. Let me help you, if I may. Beside our sun, the nearest star to planet Earth is 4.3 light years away. That sounds simple enough, doesn't it? Does it? Light travels at 186,282 feet per second. That equals 670 million miles an hour. Our airplanes fly at a speed of approximately, give or take a little, 500 miles an hour. So I want, I want to show you something. Think about this. The nearest star, 4.3 light years away. The moon, 239,000 miles from the earth. If we were to travel on a plane to the moon, just to the moon, It'd take 19 days. 500 miles an hour on a jumbo jet if we didn't stop for fuel. But yet light gets there in 1.3 seconds. Are you hearing me? Um, let's go from there. The sun is 93 million miles away from the earth, and if we boarded that same jumbo jet and traveled to the sun, we would get there in about 21 years. So I'd be about 71. That's if we non-stop and we don't eat, you know, or we don't get gas or anything. We just fly non-stop. For those who would prefer driving to the sun, at, at, you know, it'd take you 200 years, of course, if you didn't stop and get food. But light gets there in eight minutes. Eight minutes. 93 million miles. And it's here in eight minutes. That's crazy. Um... Leaving the sun, let's go on to the nearest star. We already know it's 4.3 light years from the earth. Let me help you. If we were to build a scale model to show you this, it would look like this. The earth would be the size of a peppercorn. Y'all know what that is? 
for those of y'all in the back, there's a little old bitty dot right here about three or four times the size of a period at the end of a sentence. Now, that, little, that white spot there, it just says earth. But that little dot right there, uh, that would represent a peppercorn and an eight-inch diameter ball representing the sun. Are y'all with me? And so let's put it on scale. Uh, the sun would be the size of an eight-inch ball. The earth would be the size of a peppercorn. And the scale or the distance would be, if I put this over that doorway and this one over that doorway on scale, that's 26 yards away, that's, that's to scale. But now, that's the earth and the sun. So let's think about the earth, our little dot, uh, and the nearest star. So if we put our little peppercorn in San Diego, hello, not, not 26 yards, not to the edge of California or Nevada or Arizona or any of those states as we come this way. Not in New York City, but from San Diego, come on this way, past New York City into the New York Harbor and another 1,000 miles out to sea. 4,000 miles away from our peppercorn in San Diego. And then you are on scale to the nearest star. A scaled-down model. You understand, you, you ever done a model airplane where you buy a, a, a scale and it's just a fraction of, that right there is just a little bitty fraction and you're going to see how small it is as we go further. The distance is 4,000 miles between San Diego and where our little, I mean where the nearest star would be. To reach the nearest star by plane, that same jumbo jet, 500 miles an hour, y'all ready for this? How about 51 billion years? Traveling in that airplane at 500 miles an hour, 51 billion years. But yet light, light gets there in 4.3 years. Of course, light's traveling 670 million miles an hour or 186,282 feet per second. Sort of mind-boggling, ain't it? Y'all with me? Just stay with me for a little bit here. I'll, we'll go a little bit deeper. So go a little bit further. The stars that you see in the night sky with your naked eye are one to a thousand light years away. You go out, you know, it's a, it's a beautiful night, and you go out there one to a thousand light years away. Please, please comprehend with me. A light year is how far light will travel at 670 million miles an hour for a year. Hmm? That's a long way out there, baby. You think you took a vacation. Huh? So, so some of our 4,000, some, some of these stars are 4,000 light years away. So just think of light traveling at the blazing speed of 186,282 feet per second or 670 million miles per hour and doing this for 4,000 years and finally getting to Earth. You know what that means? It means that the light of some of the stars that are just popping up on our horizon was released before Moses parted the Red Sea and traveled a distance of 670 million miles per hour without slowing down and without ceasing ever since they were thrown into the sky and they are just now getting here. And scientists rightly tell us that the earth is expanding. Light just now getting here. God said, let there be light! 
30 billion light years away and just now showing up <laughs> five light years away. And some of the stars might have already burned out and their light still on the way to us. Let, let me go on. I, I don't mean to blow your mind just yet. We're not there. But it explains why scientists say it's continuing to expand. Every day the light of stars that was released eons ago are just making their appearance on the Earth's horizon. So let's go on. So now these are the stars in the Milky Way. Hello? The next closest galaxy to us is Andromeda. Guess what? It's 2.31 million light years away. Think about, I mean, if it was 2.31 million years, we just kept walking. But 2.31 million years of a light ray released traveling 670 million miles an hour for 2.31 million years. I'm 50 years old. I don't know how far out there I could be right now if I was on a light beam at 670 million miles an hour for 50 years times the hours and the days, all that good stuff. But it'd be a pretty good wave. Are you hearing me say amen? So that's just to get to the next galaxy, to Andromeda. So, so I'm trying to show you how big God is because we, we, we think of ourselves. I, I'm standing there looking at Jacksonville and these big high-rise buildings, and that don't even count New York, and it don't count L.A., and it don't count Cincinnati or the United Arab Emirates and, you know, Dubai and the, all of these huge, massive places, L.A. and Atlanta and all that, and that's just our little peppercorn. So scientists tell us that there are billions, with a B, billions of galaxies, and each of them with billions, that's a B, billions of stars, Andromeda and the Milky Way, are part of a cluster of 30 galaxies. Other clusters contain thousands of galaxies. How big is God? Don't you know he said that he makes the clouds his chariot and rides on the wings of the wind. <laughs> I'm going to have a good time. Second service ain't no limits, baby. The Guinness Book of World Records states that in June of 1994 that a new group of galaxies were found. The distance across them measures, and I quote, 650 million light years. The distance across these galaxies 650 million light years. That's as far as light can travel at 670 million miles an hour for 650 million years. Woo! Man, that's going out of town. So let me go further. The book also, Guinness Records, says the mo most remote object that mankind has ever observed is 13.2 billion, with a B, billion light years away. Man, that might be heaven. I don't know. <laughs> but we saw something 13.2 billion light years away. Wow. You say, what? I mean, this is our little peppercorn called earth. How big is God? To top all of this off, the psalmist tells us that God counts the stars and calls them by name. <laughs> all right. No wonder Solomon said, but will God indeed dwell on the earth? Behold, the heaven of, the heaven of heavens cannot contain him. How much less will this temple that I have built? 
You see, not only is he a huge God that holds the universe, he, he, he is just so massive. But not only is he a great big God, you ready for this? He's a very, very small God too. Let's go the other way for just a second. Science has spent years and fortunes and money to expand the knowledge of the natural world. God's creation still marvel us. We can't get it. <clears throat> but the Bible says he knows all those stars. He knows them by name. Did you know what? A Webster's Unabridged Dictionary. You know how, you know how many words that'll hold? Half a million. 500,000 words in an Unabridged Dictionary. It's big. Some of you school teachers, you know what I'm talking about. But watch this. When we start thinking about how big that is, it would take 80 quadrillion of those books to hold the names of the stars that are calculated to be out there. And God knows all their names. He sees every hair that falls from your head. Now see, that wouldn't be a whole lot of trouble if it was just my head, but then it's, but it's, and some of you brothers got that same thing going. But then there's others of you that got real thick hair. Are y'all with me? Say amen. So, so let me go on. <clears throat> He's the God of small things as well. All forms of life are based on cells. You scientists and teachers know that. Cells are the building blocks of life, plant life, animal life, mammal life, uh, every living thing. The human body itself is an engineering wonder containing 100 trillion cells. Can you imagine sperm and egg meat and 100 trillion cells go to work? Someone says that the Big Bang Theory, all this happens. That's the biggest bunch of nonsense I've ever seen. And I don't have a PhD. I'm just telling you, I don't care how conducive you make it. All of a sudden, 23 chromosomes ain't going to work it all out. 100 trillion cells know exactly like little soldiers marching to go get their job done. And they're doing all of these things that they do to determine what we're going to be in the color of our eyes and our hair and all of this and who we're going to walk like, act like, and be like. The Bible says that God created man in his own image. And of all the things he created, every planet that lights up the sky, and all the grass that, that fills the earth, and all the animals, and all of the things, he created you and I in his own likeness, in his own image. And when he finished that creation, he leaned over and breathed the breath of God into that that he had formed. And for the first time, man opened his eyes. For the first time, his chest rose with air filling his lungs. For the first time, his heart began to pump blood, and his lungs began to expand, and his ears could hear things, and the, the tweed sounds of birds, and the running of horses, and the, the trickling of water, and all of those things. And it's an amazing thing that God is so vast and so big, but yet all the way down to the cell. But not, that's not the smallest. See, uh, Cells consist of numerous tinier, tinier particles called molecules, you see. And then molecules, and that's a wonderful study, and we can talk about all that, but it's the cell and then the molecule, but that, that's not all. It goes on from there. Uh, then there's elements. And then we get on down from that, and then there's what's called atoms. Uh, and wow, man, we way on down there now. But no, it's smaller than that because... You know, right in the atom there, you've got protons and neutrons hanging out near the nucleus and electrons whizzing around at the speed of light. And scientists call that atomic energy that makes them electrons whiz around. And from my study, all the reason they say it's atomic energy is that's a term 
that explains what they cannot explain. Where does the electron get its energy? What is it in our body that because we all have electrical impulses, you understand that's why I'm batting my eyes and do this, my hands, do this, it's all electronic impulse. I understand in a car, I'm a mechanic, we have an alternator. It creates power. Huh? I've got 12 volts of power, I turn on the headlights, boom, there they are. And I know why, because i got an alternator. It's creating that power. Where's that in my body? I don't know. But God has worked out this atomic energy, I just want to call it God energy. What is it that that, that electron whizzes around that, uh, that, that nucleus with the protons and the neutrons and the electrical impulses are there? And it's amazing. And, and, and you know what? Here's the, the atom and the, the nucleus of the atom and the protons and the neutrons and the electrons running around them at the speed of light. And hang on. There's a hundred billion atoms on the period at the end of a sentence. Well, I didn't know you could do the speed of light in that little confined area. But we're talking about how tiny. What I'm saying is God is beyond your microscopic vision of finding him out. He is beyond your telescopic vision of seeing out there. He is God from before we could see the beginning to infinity. We cannot comprehend the vastness of God. And, and if, even if we tried a little harder, we would have more respect. So, the question then, I mean, it brings us to this place that God has already said he upholds all these things. Now you can understand why David looked at himself and said, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Psalm 139 and 14. You see, with knowledge that we have today, we should easily understand why David said, The fool hath said in his heart, There is no God. You find me another religion, another uh, group of people that can even come close to explaining how we got here. Did you know before? Before scientists figured out that the earth was round, you know, back when, you know, just a few hundred years ago, they thought you'd get to a certain point and just fall off. The Bible declares that God sits on the circle of the earth. Thousands of years ago. Amen? It's an amazing thing. Uh, let me try to conclude this. Job says in ch chapter 41, verse 11, who has preceded me, God said to Job, that I should pay him? Everything under heaven is mine. The God of earth and glory has come to dwell in the hearts of you and I. He comes to this earth and he picks up dust, dust, and creates the apple of his eye. Creation, ex nihilo. Love, the term that means creation out of nothing. Before there was dust to work with. Before there was an earth. Before there was anything. God said, let there be and there was. Now, I want to tell you this. You're going to have questions until you die. You're never going to get all of the answers to your questions until we get to the other side. 
So let me challenge you to speak um, by faith. Let me challenge you to look and say, you know what? Of all the, the religion I've looked at, of everything I've studied, everything I've compared, there is nobody even close to God Jehovah. And remember the old times said, by and by, when the morning comes. And then they said, we'll understand it better. By, and that's not a cop-out. I'll debate with you and I'll work with you. We'll look at the scriptures. But I'm telling you, there is going to be a place where faith is going to kick in. Hebrews 11, 6 says, without faith it is impossible to please him. And I'm just going to tell you this. I know from personal experience where God has come through in Mike Sane's life. Where things too big for me. And God showed up, showed out. Where he has never left me. He has never forsaken me. He has been there every time when people walked away. Let me say this as you stand with me. kinds of planets. In my little mind, when I was growing up, I thought it was just nine planets, you know, that we could name and, you know, in the Milky Way. And, but, but it's so much larger than that. I know that we look at things like the moon and we see craters on the moon. And we look at other planets and we see evidence of, of, of you know, craters and where asteroids or things ran into them and hit them. You know what's amazing about the Earth? You ever thought about this? Out of all of these lights in the sky, all these planets, God gave us an atmosphere. God gave us this atmosphere, and, and when back in the '60s, when we when we broke through and we finally went to the moon, there's one thing that we did understand is we had to be very, very careful about the angle of attack which we came back into the atmosphere. We had to re-enter at the right angle. We had to have, well, you've seen we've lost a couple shuttles because of, of uh, tiles that, that come off and fire melted it and disintegrated the shuttle coming back. We lost a challenge. Well, the challenger wasn't that way, but Columbia was. Blew up over Texas, uh, heat tiles, shield. But what I'm saying is this. Why is it you and I, we look at a shooting star and shh, you know what it does? Hits our atmosphere and it burns up before it gets to us. God has somehow protected this wonderful planet whereon he put the apple of his eye.
this awesome God. Do you know this awesome God that I've talked about that is so, so large yet so small? So vast and so enormous but yet smaller than any microscope could see. I want to tell you, God feels all in all. He is everywhere and every wind. There's not a place you can be where he's not. Do you know him? If you're here today and you say, Pastor, I'm not sure that I know this great God that you've talked about. only know what you disclose to us. I pray if there's one here, God, that their mind is set, their heart is set to know you, that you would reveal yourself to us. I pray, God, that you would help us to comprehend as much as we can. Yeah. 